When did you serve as the president of NASA? I started in 84, so the 84, 85, 85, 86, and then 86, 87, three consecutive terms. In your memory, has NASA always had two-year terms for presidents? I think you just answered that. And do you know why and if there are any informal or formal limitation on the length of, of a presidency? Well, I guess the, the first part of the question, I'd say no. It hasn't uh, always had two years. In fact, I, in preparation for the, uh, the call today, I did a little research through the files of, that I had here at the house since I retired 10 years ago just to refresh my own memory. And mm-hmm. prior to my serving in, in that 84 uh, to 87 uh, time frame, uh, there were only three members who actually served double terms. Mm-hmm. And then since 2000, since uh, since I served the triple, uh, there's only been three members who served double terms up until the point when I retired in 2009. I don't know since uh, then. I didn't take time to to research that. That's just you know you folks already have that information. Yeah, definitely. Um, what saying since 2009? Yeah. When I retired in 2009, yeah, I haven't kept up with uh, how many uh, presidents there's been. And, uh, you know, I kind of have a feel for it, but I don't remember all the people who served, and if, it's, if they've all served double terms or not. I just, I don't, I don't know that. And I went back, I mean, I've got a book. I, 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 I don't know whether the organization, whether NASA does this anymore, but at our um, annual conferences for many, 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 many years, uh, we used to have not only the program and a, and a little booklet, uh, but there was also the back pages would list the past president, presidents, past presidents, past vice presidents, secretaries, treasurers, and, and the like. So mm-hmm. I, that's the book that I looked at this morning. It goes back to 1998. And, okay. and what I'm seeing is that between 48 and 49, there was a, uh, a gentleman from Oklahoma who served two terms. And then I go yeah, way Paul up. Yeah, Cope. Paul Cope, yes, yes. So maybe you already have that information. No, no, I'm glad you're saying this. This is excellent. Everybody basically had either two terms or just one, but you mm-hmm. had, but it lists you here for three in a row. I think the primary reason the organization shifted to more than one term uh, on occasion and me uh, having served three was just to uh, maintain some continuity if we had something going on where that continuity needed we felt it needed to occur, especially during the time frame when I was, uh, was uh, when I was president. It was when the Montgomery GI Bill was being developed and, and brought into uh, into reality. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, that's great that the members would all be in concurrence to look far ahead and say, "Hey, you know, let's not shift. Let let's not." change up the leadership let's continue moving forward yeah That's and i think point. there were other times i know during my my time with the organization where sometimes it came down to just the the person who was president not just having that uh, the time available to serve a second term because they were from a small organization and had um, really limited support staff and the demands upon them and their state approving agency uh, activities at work just was was too great for them to take that extra time because probably as you know when you're president you uh, it does take extra time I mean evenings weekends you name it and there are times though that you're pulled away from the office for a day or two or even a week 
you know, or a few days anyway, and you've got to have support staff that can fill in while you're gone. No, you're absolutely right, and various states have various resources. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge responsibility to be at the helm of NASA, and and you're right, business continues as usual, whether you have a second job or not. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a huge, and, and it's a huge job. It is, yeah. If, you, if you're going to do uh, do it well, I I certainly believe that that it is. And uh, oh, yeah. from personal experiences and observing others over the years, it does. It's it's quite demanding. Yeah. Do you remember how many and what types of committees NASA had during your presidency? Well, I, I you know, I, I thought about that, and it seems like. Pretty much the same as in existence today. I know we had a legislative, a contract, professional development, the IHL, NCD, apprenticeship, OJT. Uh, military ed came in a little later after the Montgomery Jai Bill in the 80s, but we, before that we okay. had definitely, definitely had conference planning, nominating honors and awards, I think, alumni and audit. But the only, there were only three that came to mind. Military ed, I know, came in about mid-80s after we got the Montgomery Jai Bill, and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, Automation and technology, um, that I don't recall exactly when that, uh, that became uh, came a, a reality there. And distance learning, distance learning was probably after 87, I'm thinking, and, and maybe automation and technology took the place of distance learning. I, I have to admit, I don't oh. know. So please describe the relationship between NASA and the VA. And then again with Congress and, if you will, with any other veterans group. Mm-hmm. So if you can describe the relationship yeah. between NASA and the VA during your presidency. Well, during the presidency, and I'd say for many years thereafter, actually, um, with the VA, I really, I've always, because as you're aware, I served as legislative director for many years, so I had opportunities mm-hmm. to have discussion about this and and many, many up on Capitol Hill. It was really a unique partnership between the federal government and the states. Yeah. Um, really a collaborative effort to serve GI Bill eligible persons. And uh, This collaborative effort, I thought, was, was in existence for many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat in on lots of meetings with the VA contract committee, military, ed, uh, you name it, uh, efforts to improve the GI Bill. And, and it really was. I, I always viewed it as this... Uh, a partnership between the two entities. Mm-hmm. We worked with the VA, not for the VA. Right. That seemed to change when a guy named Keith Wilson came in. Mm. And I think it was around 2006 or seven. It was a couple of years before I retired. Okay. And he almost, he almost viewed uh, state approving agencies and NASA as its collective representative as just another excuse the expression, of a highway bandit around D.C. Hmm. You know, we were just another contractor being hired to help a federal agency to do its work. Hmm. Therefore, we were working for him, not with him. He just totally ignored the whole fact that there was constitutionally, there was, there was basis for this partnership between the feds and the states, mm-hmm. and it had existed and existed well for decades. Uh, so I, I don't know where it is now. Uh, I know during the time period when I left, it was still he was still in there as the uh, education director. But by and large, I think certainly during my presidency, it wasn't viewed as he tried to uh, portray it, the relationship mm. between the VA and um, 
and that, that created, uh, at least in my judgment, some havoc there. Around the uh, couple of years before I retired, and when I retired, and maybe for a few years after, my understanding is he he left after a couple more years after I retired. Uh, okay. And as far as the Congress goes, uh, again, a collaborative effort. I mean, a lot of people that I worked with on as president and and uh, later as legislative director, I really saw state approving agencies as providing some direct feedback. Uh, you know, state of we were the guys that we were the closest, uh, the closest you can get to to the ground, and and mm-hmm. and getting some sense of what are the needs out there, what do veterans need, right. uh, and what are what ways are there to improve the GI Bill. So I think the uh, my sense is that that certainly uh, Joe, when I attended the meeting, even prior to attending the meeting, Joe Westcott, the current legislative mm-hmm. director, I, I'm believing he's still current legislative director. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I believe so. Yes, yeah, he's super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's continued with uh, and helped to rebuild that. It, it got a little rocky. That whole relationship with Congress got a little rocky there during during my last year or so with um, mm. uh, with the organization. And but I think he's he's brought it back to where it it uh, once was, where it is truly a collaborative effort and. They look to states to providing some what I call direct feedback, as opposed to getting that feedback indirectly through the VA. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because there's always, it's, even though I think most of us, in uh, you know, kind of few, there's equal, uh, you know, three equal branches of government. I know from my experiences way back when during my presidency and the years that followed that there were times where. The committees, both Senate and House committees, relied very heavily on the VA to provide guidance that would help them to improve the GI Bill. On the other hand, there were times when they relied quite heavily on state approving agencies to provide that guidance. So it was, uh, I, I think the whole thing was really a collaborative effort, really. And uh, all they were boiled, really boiled down to how do you win? What do you do to improve the GI Bills and make it better for veterans? Those people who defend all those freedoms that we all, all thoroughly enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is a collaborative effort and I think that's why these midwinter conferences take place because mm-hmm. be right there yeah. where we need to be and make those connections with our congressmen. And um yeah, that's it's it's very important. Yeah. Um, yeah, which and, and you mentioned something that I guess brings up another point because we've had yeah. highs and lows on the number of agencies who felt comfortable in interacting with their congressional representatives. Mm. Uh, some belong to agencies that totally prohibit that interaction from taking place. Mm. Oh, hmm. oh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, I'm with the Department of Higher Education, Veteran Services, mm-hmm. and in, in which serves as the Massachusetts State Approving Agency. But you're right, there are other organizations which have um, don't have those titles, which would dictate what the relationship might be. Yeah, and they're pretty much just, I mean, the, the supervisors, in some cases, of the, uh, the state approving agency's director might report to, just literally says, you will not interact with any congressional representative, uh, you know, whether it's the House or the Senate. Uh, here, hmm. you will not interact with other running whatever you care to discuss with them through me. 
And so we've had varying successes with uh, over the years about you know the uh, the abilities of states, state approving agency personnel to become politically uh, uh, influential or political involved involved in the political arena. Let me say it that way. Even if it's on something that's that should be, and that's you know just a personal bias on my part. Even if it's something that should not be political, comes to veterans and. I did see the part of that question said with other veterans groups. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, and I guess what came to mind is that, okay, maybe we're missing a few there because since the mid-'80s, it's not just veterans groups that NASA works with. I, and I don't know firsthand all of the um, contacts that Joe has as legislative director of the organization now, but I suspect he has some with what I call military organization, not just not just the VFW, American Legion, and... Uh, but you got the uh, non-commissioned officers association. You got the military officers association. You have military groups too, and that emanated really out of that Montgomery GI Bill when when that uh, became a reality back in the mid '80s. That we took on um, just a huge new uh, role, uh, and mm. and I saw another group in there too, or at least it came to me, educational organizations. Yeah, you know, state colleges and universities, American Council of Education, uh, SOC, Servicemen's Opportunity Colleges Program, uh, community colleges. A lot of those groups uh, we had interacted with, and uh, I would suspect that Joe is still interacting with. That just basically the networking for the benefit of all. You know, us helping them with some of their issues and them helping us because that cloud is what really makes the difference up on Capitol Hill. Oh, definitely, knowing what the issues are from the... Yeah, we don't always have the numbers. Uh, I, I made mention of it when I made some remarks at the last Midwinter Conference of a group called the Partnership for Veterans Education. Yeah, I tried to Google that. I couldn't find any information. Yeah, but... it almost sounds like it's not even in existence anymore, but I can tell you that was a massive influence the latter part of the 90s and into the early 2000s. In fact, a lot of the work of that group... Um, really led to what we now have as a forever GI Bill. That's awesome. Yeah, and maybe it morphed into something else. I know when I left, it was starting to wane a little bit, so it maybe just sort of fell apart because of, because of the post-9-11 GI Bill. Oh, perhaps, yeah, because that's exactly when it, I think it came on board, 2009. Yes. Please recall, what, if any, legislation passed during your presidency? How did it influence NASA? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, we've already partly talked about it. That was a Montgomery GI Bill. I mean, we yeah, we worked on that, oh, geez, even before I was president, but it, it became a reality with that test program that was enacted uh, with the Defense Authorization Bill in 1985. Mm-hmm. And a test program for three years, so we that brought us into a lot greater interaction with the Department of Defense and military services and some of the uh, military and educational organizations, those of which I've just mentioned here a couple of minutes ago. And mm-hmm. and then we had uh, we had the addition of the job training programs that was added to the test program in 86. And then 87 was that it was made permanent. Uh, wow. But that was during <laughs> my presidency and uh, had the honor of working with... Uh, with Sonny Montgomery, with Chairman Montgomery, uh, on that bill. 
Oh, wow. We got a lot of good help on it, but I, you, you may recall me uh, saying last uh, February that there were actually two organizations that Montgomery singled out as providing the greatest help um, outside of the veteran organizations like DFW American Legion, and that was the Community College Group and NASA. Yeah, I did. I reread your, I reread your speech from last year in preparation for this, and I saw NASA listed first, and then. I think it was um, AACJC. Yeah, back then it was American called the American Association of Junior and Community Colleges, and now they okay. cut out the word junior. Well, I say now, but they cut it out a long time ago, I guess. Do you know what other world events were happening which may have influenced the goals of NASA at that time during your presidency? Well, yeah, it's an interesting in question because I, I got thinking about it, you know, mm. whereas you did provide me the advantage of having the questions in advance, and they gave me a sure. chance to think a little bit. Um, and there are only a couple of things came to mind. I'm not sure they had extensive influence, but I believe in general they did because one of the, well, we started as late as, I think, not as late, as early as 1979 working on that GI Bill. Mm. Because that wow. B program, that B program was in existence, but was an embarrassment to the nature, to the nation, which is uh, was part of the, uh, part of my testimony on several different occasions and several different uh, locations on Capitol Hill. I mean, that thing was just... The V program that, that I'm referring to was in existence between about 19... Uh, let's see, 70, 77 and 1985. Okay. Sorry. It, was a, yeah. it was a two-to-one match where the veteran could put in up to $2,700 and the federal government would match it $2 to every one. That mm-hmm. made the total pot available to any veteran who wanted to go to school mm-hmm. $8,100. It was a joke. It mm-hmm. was a big joke, especially since the country had already moved and, and to getting to the point of your question. Uh, it was such an embarrassment in my judgment and, and the judgment, I think, of many, uh, many in the veterans' arena and some on Capitol Hill as well, Montgomery and, and Bill Cohen, by the way, who later became Secretary of Defense, but he was the main senator that I worked with. And he was, uh, as Montgomery would say, he was the guy he would want in the foxhole with him should they go to battle, and that did occur. But anyway, that's Mm. another story, too. Um, Mm. So where was he? Yeah, because of the two forces, basically, at that point, back in the early 70s, we had shifted over to uh, the all-volunteer force. Mm. Well, without, without trying to really get into identifying all of the different things happening around the world in the mm-hmm. 70s and early 80s, there was some concern about the ability of this all-volunteer force to respond to world crises. And at the same time, folks were looking down the road, on Capitol Hill, looking down the road to downsizing the active duty forces and having greater dependence upon the selected reserve, you know, Reserve National Guard. Okay. Um, so that, that, and that actually did occur in 1990. So, it, it, so during that period of time is when we were working on the Montgomery GI Bill, and those were two of the more or less broad general reasons, in my judgment, that influenced, finally influenced the, the Congress to take action on creating a GI Bill that would be a heck of a lot more attractive then that beat program, when you you may have already read, and maybe I mentioned it uh, at some point in time, but um, 
That Montgomery GI Bill test program was it was attached to the DOD authorization bill mm -hmm. for '85, and Sonny Montgomery and Bill Cohen, the senator from Maine, both were in. They were appointed to the conference committee, mm. and it was about two o'clock in the morning when other members of the conference committee, who still didn't want Montgomery and Cohen and others, there were a few others on the committee as well, to have a GI Bill test program, they still didn't really see the need for one. Decided that, well, we're getting tired. We're going to go home, and we'll settle this thing some other time. When Montgomery just said to his staff person, "Why don't you go out and get us some sea rations? Because I'm not ready to quit yet." And he was one of the primary members of that conference committee. That's awesome. So I'm told. I'm told. And I wasn't there personally, but I was told that the other people sitting around the table finally said, "Well, to heck with this." You can have your damn test program. We're going home. Here, you can have it. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yep. Sometimes, yeah, th that is so awesome because it just goes to show, just be the last person standing, you there know? There you go. That's it. That was it. <laughs> that was That's, it. That is he, awesome. He, he sent out for sea rations. He had the fortitude. Yep. Oh yeah, well, God. he was a major general in the National Guard in oh Mississippi. Wow. Yeah. What year was that? That was in '84. It was in October of '84 that the test broke. That the conference committee, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, decided upon it. It was already after the federal fiscal year '85 had started. I mean, you know how these all of these bills, particularly appropriations of funding bills, don't even occur until after the fact. You're already in. Oh the yeah, year. right. Yeah. So, but it was true. in. I think it was it's in October of, um, as I recall, October '84, and because the test program mm -hmm. started in July of '85. Um, were there any? individual accomplishments in your own state, the great state of Maine, you would like to highlight? Well, probably the one I think that, that came to mind when I got looking at the question. I mean, I, I suspect if I thought some more, uh, I might come up with a few others. But the one that really came to mind was right after the Montgomery GI Bill was enacted, mm -hmm. uh, we saw a need here, as many states did, not just Maine, but many states did, too. Yeah. As we did as an organization, as NASA did, we need a military education committee because we're now interacting with National Guard, with Reserve, with active duty. I mean, we had, at the time, uh, two active duty bases here in the state of Maine that we were now going to interact with that we had not before. And, of course, you National Guard and Reserve units. We created a, a governor's, what we call a governor's advisory council on education of the military and veterans in Maine. And at the outset, it was not the governor's, but in a later year, the governor did sign off on it as an official advisory council, one of his advisory, advisory councils uh, on the education of military and veterans in Maine. So um, I think that was uh, probably during that time frame, again, back in the 80s, when I think we, we started that whole thing in 87. It sort of became permanent in 88. But that was probably one of the... Um, I look back on it as one of the primary achievements here in the state, and, and other states did it too. I can't, I can't say I can remember all the states that created military advisory councils, but, uh, uh, but I know several did. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, and I want to thank you again for your time and um, your great presidency. Well, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm honored that you uh, you made the call and. Happy to make the contribution here. Hopefully it was a contribution. And, uh, oh, absolutely.